Welcome to MedEvidence, where we help you navigate the truth behind medical research with unbiased, evidence-proven facts, powered by Encore Research Group and hosted by cardiologist and top medical researcher, Dr. Michael Corrin. Hello, I'm Dr. Michael Corrin. I'm Dr. Eric Schramm. And today, Eric is joining me for our episode of MedEvidence, and I'm really excited about this episode, Eric, for a number of reasons. One, Eric and I have known each other for a long time, and Eric has worked with us here in the Clinical Research Center, and um, he's been a family uh, physician in our in our community for a number of years, and we've had a cross-referral of patients, me as a cardiologist, you as the family physician, so that's been a fun relationship. But Eric has gotten into the concept of understanding the use of, of cannabinoids or cannabis over the last several years, and he's now dedicated his practice to help people by using this mechanism of treatment. So I'm really interested in learning more from you and really taking a deep dive into this so you can educate me and other members of the MedEvidence family about how to use cannabis and what you've learned and, and how we can share that information to help people in the community. Great. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me on. And we've collaborated, you know, since 2003, since I joined clinical research. So, I, you know, I, we've had a lot of great opportunities to yeah. talk about research. And, and you're and a fabulous researcher. And actually, that's one of the reasons I'm really excited about this conversation, because the reputation for cannabis is that it's not always evidence-based. And you're going to help us understand that. Exactly. So let's jump in. So let's start with the basic definitions for everybody. Uh, we hear about CBD, THC. Explain what that is to people. Great. So um, the cannabis plant, it's a very complex plant and has probably about 400 chemical compounds. But the important elements of the plant are tetrahydrocannabinoid, which is your THC, and cannabidiol, which is CBD. Now, a lot of times people say, okay, well, which part of that plant is the one that has the potential for intoxication? And I'll say, well, that's your THC component. Mm -hmm. uh, the plant naturally makes one particular type of THC, which is Delta-9, mm -hmm. but more recently, now uh, it is being able to be produced Delta-8. So it's kind of, a, kind of a very similar molecule. Uh, but those, those are the more potentially psychoactive compounds of it. The CBD, the cannabidiol, is not associated with any potential for intoxication, but has great uh, potential benefits in terms of anti-inflammatory effects. Interesting. So just to explain the Delta-8 versus Delta-9, this is not the Navy SEALs, but <laughs> it's actually what we call stereoisomers. And that means that it's the same molecule, but they can be mirror images of one another. And it, I guess it sounds like they have different effects depending upon which of the mirror images it is? Absolutely correct. So it's just a very slight change in the chemical composition. Um, the reason that Delta-8 exists is because it can be manufactured from CBD. And so it can be, as you can acquire CBD over-the-counter, this is possible to acquire Delta-8 over-the-counter without having to go through a medical uh, marijuana oh, okay. So, so let's dig into that a little bit more. So explain what is available over the counter versus what requires a prescription in the state of Florida. I know it's probably different in different states. Well, fundamentally, um, if you look at the potency of Delta-8, mm -hmm. it's about half as potent as Delta-9 in mm -hmm. terms of its potential effects in terms of intoxication. The reason that it exists and came about from CBD is because at one point uh, in 2014, we passed the Farm Bill, which allowed for the CBD industry to be launched. Mm -hmm. And during that time and over those many years, we had a big glut of CBD on the market. Mm. And so those CBD manufacturers were looking for products that they could potentially produce 
um, and Delta 8 was one of those products. So it's it evolved into that space because it categorically is derived from the hemp plant, mm -hmm. which has, de by design, much less THC mm -hmm. than a traditional medical cannabis plant. So that's, that was the big divider in the products. Got it. Now, in this area, we talk about terpenoids and flavonoids. So tell us uh, a little bit what that means. Exactly. So um, a big, one important part of the composition and the effect of the plant relates to terpenes. Terpenes mm. are found in all plants. It's the oils that give it its scent. Um, and taste. Um, and in medical marijuana, it's important because the different terpenes are important in driving different mm -hmm. uh, different functions, different effects, whether it's sedation or whether it's uh, antidepressant effects or whether it's an anti-inflammatory effect uh, can have profound effect on uh, things like seizures. And so it, it, it has important part in guiding the effects of the plant. It isn't just that we have, say, uh, traditionally what we thought of as, say, have a sativa plant, mm -hmm. which is a little bit more of a considered uh, cannabis sativa, more activating strain mm -hmm. versus, uh, say, an indica plant, mm -hmm. which is historically more sedating and can be used for relaxation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's true that those plant types can affect certain effects, but at the end of the day, terpenes have a huge impact on how... Uh, patients experience the cannabis. So it's almost like winemaking. You have different type of grapes and the effects at the end of the day are somewhat similar, but a little bit different. Exactly. And there is uh, interesting, one can go on, uh, you can go online and mm -hmm. exactly you can decide uh, what particular strains mm -hmm. suit you, whether it's a dessert strain or mm -hmm. whether, you know, it's a gas strain or they have all these different types of strains for different types of effects. Does sativa go better with meat and indica go better with fish or vegetables? Or? Yeah, I would. That would be a good pairing. <laughs> I would think that would be a great pairing. Yeah. So, yeah. But the flavonoids are uh, they give the color mm -hmm. and they provide also. It's very interesting because they can have uh, anti-inflammatory effects. They tend to have anti-anxiety effects. Mm -hmm. And the purpose of all those compounds is basically they protect the plant against. Yeah, you know, insects and so it's their self it's their self defense mechanism. All right. So let's talk about why it works, you know, why it affects our brains. And this gets into some research that you and I have worked on in the past. I remember a number of years ago there was a product on the market called Ramanabont. Yeah. Do, do you remember that? Yeah. And uh, that was a product that actually blocked a CBD receptor. And uh, we all know that when you stimulate CBD receptors, you stimulate your appetite. Right. And the concept behind this drug was to block that receptor and reduce your appetite. Right. And it did, in fact, work to reduce <laughs> appetite. And as I recall, people actually lost weight right. when they took Rabonabont. But it was actually taken off the market in many jurisdictions, and I think probably all jurisdictions at this point, because people became depressed. Right. when they took this drug. So it gets into the concept that we have receptors that are able to process the chemical signal from cannabis and cause effects in our body. Right. So why don't you run with that idea a little bit? Right, and I remember when I first joined in clinical research, Ramonabont was, was about the time that uh, it looked to have great promise. Uh, ultimately, that turned out to be quite disappointing because a number of people that were had considered uh, suicide, worsening depression, committed suicide. And it really gave people a newfound respect for what the CB receptors are doing, particularly in the brain, your mm -hmm. CB1 receptor. And so it, uh, in fact, you know, that it was, uh, it was a THC variant. So it was mm -hmm. THCV. And, you know, the, the question now is, in the, as a synthetic, 
it had had that problem. Now the question is, well, if you get that from the naturally derived plant, is it possible that this in the future could be still looked at as a potential therapeutic mm-hmm. product for weight loss mm-hmm. that doesn't have the significant effects of mm-hmm. mind altering or potentially you know, mood altering uh, disturbances. And, and, and that's hopefully they'll might reconsider that as a possibility. Yeah. So explain CB1 versus CB2 receptors for everybody. Right. So CB1 a receptor, the most important place it's found is in your brain. Mm-hmm. And to have a THC have an effect on that receptor, you know, it has to get through the blood brain barrier. And so that allows for if people are saying, well, how, how, how is that going to, you know, affect in terms of causing people to get high or intoxicated or what have you, then that's the effect of THC on a CB1 receptor in your brain. Now, we have CB2 receptors, too, that are found in the peripheral nervous system. Um, we have CB2 receptors that regulate a big part of our immune system, which is, which is hugely important because when people start looking at it and say, well, how does you know, CBD, you know, how does it do so many different things? Anti-inflammatory can help your mood. It can do uh, anti-cancer effects. And you're going to say, because it's reflecting its effect on different, different CB receptors that we have all over our body. So we have uh, CB1 and two receptors in the gut. Mm -hmm. And so there's uh, recently Mm -hmm. some development coming along that looks like at a product that may be affecting CB2 receptors in the gut to decrease you know, irritable acid bowel reflux, and, irritable bowel, yeah, and, mm. you know, a, a pharmaceutical company just recently invested over $6 billion to get access to that, to, to that potential product. So it's very interesting where, how these receptors show up, understanding at what point that, you know, certain types of products have the potential for intoxication. Mm-hmm. I don't like to tell people that they're going to get high. Right. I mean, to be like, hey, I talk about the possibility as, as a, a side effect is intoxication. Mm-hmm. And so understanding where the receptors are and uh, the skin has both CB1 and CB2 receptors, which makes the skin a, a great uh, potential source mm-hmm. as, a, uh, as a therapeutic source. Yeah. And for our audience, it's important for them to understand that if your body has a receptor, it can respond to that chemical signal. So our, our bodies are programmed to be able to respond to chemical signals, and there are receptors for a lot of different things, you know, for adrenaline, for uh, opioid uh, analogs, and certainly we now know that there are many receptors for cannabinoids. Right, and we have our own natural, we have two natural endocannabinoids called anandamide and 2-AG, and ananda is Sanskrit for bliss. So they figured this out. So uh-huh. it's... We are we're hardwired for cannabis and to understanding what the why do we have an endocannabinoid system in the first place? Mm. And it's balance, right? Mm-hmm. The, the this system evolved to provide balance to mm-hmm. your whole body, whether mm-hmm. it was the physiologic stresses, uh, illness, uh, infection. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at the potential benefits for cannabis, it spawn it spans a whole wide variety of mm-hmm. disease states. Mm-hmm. So that's that accounts for the widespread receptor system. It's kind of the the master, uh, you know, I call it, it's the like the, at the airport, it's the control tower. It's, it's running everything mm-hmm. and regulating everything downstream. So Eric, uh, thank you for those wonderful explanations. I think I'm ready to pass Canvas 101 at this oh, point. Oh man, you are right on top so of that, Mike. I'm ready for the exam. I love it, okay. So let, let's take a quick break and then we'll reconvene and talk about this from a clinical perspective. Who are the patients and how do you approach them? Thanks for joining the MedEvidence Podcast. To learn more, head over to medevidence.com or subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform.